the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church Reno, we love God, love others, and make a difference. For more information, visit lifechurchreno.com. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Well, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. If you're here live, great to see you. If you're online, thanks for um, joining us online. And I want to ask you a question. Can you think of a time in your life a season in your life where you'd say, that season in my life, what was I was at more discouraged than I'd ever been in my life. And maybe, maybe for you, as you think back, that was like 25 years ago. Or, or maybe it was two years ago. Maybe some of you'd say, hey, in the last 15, 16 months, it's been crazy times. There's been a season of discouragement. Maybe you'd say, hey, I, I may be in the most discouraged season of my life I've ever had even right now. Uh, for me, uh, uh, about nine years ago, I, I came into a season where I was more discouraged than I'd ever been. Pastoring the church through the Great Recession wasn't super fun, and so many great people at Life Church were unable to make a living in Reno, had to leave. Family after family was losing their home. The church was kind of up against it financially, just kind of through that whole season. It felt like we would take one step forward as a church, two steps back. We just felt stuck in many ways. I came to just feel more tired on the inside than I'd ever felt in my whole life. I could only see all the things that were wrong, not the things that were right. And I really began to wonder, I don't know if I can keep doing this pastor thing another 30 years. And it was an incredibly discouraging season in the course of my life. And it was in that, that uh, season about nine years ago that, that I was first introduced to this psalm we're going to look at today. And so if you have your Bibles, turn over to Psalm 73. And so if you, uh, if you look at the top of that psalm there, your Bible, if it's like mine, it says it's a psalm of Asaph. Now, Asaph, it's a lot of times you think that all the psalms were written by David. Most of them were, but many weren't. And so Asaph was one of the like chief worship leaders for the nation of Israel, an incredibly godly guy. He, uh, he, he's a, this this primary worship leader. There's a handful of Psalms that he ends up writing. So he's, God uses him to write scripture. We see later he's referred to as Asaph the prophet or Asaph the seer. And so he's an incredibly godly guy. He, he, he loves to lead people in worship. He was like the best worship leader. around. He was like the Chris Tomlin of, of the day. Uh, yet there was this moment in his life where he still gets incredibly discouraged. And so we're going to look at that psalm here today. And, and so what this tells us is this, is that no matter how great you are, no matter how gifted you are, no matter how godly you are, there will be moments in your life where discouragement comes in. But, but you don't have to stay there. You, we, I want to talk to you today, but when discouragement comes in, you, you have the choice of choosing to stay discouraged or choosing to move towards encouragement. And we see this journey in Psalm 73. And so Psalm 73, verse 1. Asaph says, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. He says, I know God's good. He says, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. Here's what he's saying is he's saying, in my head, I know God is good. But there was this moment where it didn't feel that way. He says, I've told people my whole life God is good. I've sung songs about how good God is. I've written songs about how good God is. I know in my head he's good, but there was this moment where I was so discouraged, it really didn't feel that way. Have you ever had a moment like that? Where in your head you know God's good, 
but it just doesn't feel that way in the moment. He says, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I'd nearly lost my foothold. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, but he said, I knew, knew God was good in my head, but it didn't feel that way in real life. And he says, so, man, I was in a moment where I almost gave up on God. He says, my feet had almost slipped. I almost lost my way. I'd almost given up on God. I'd almost given up on life. He's talking about incredible discouragement. He says, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of, look, here's the truth. If you want to choose to be discouraged, then play the comparison game. He says, I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He says, everyone, he says, the people around me that, that didn't seem like they loved God and, and were living for him, their life looked better than mine. He, he says, it looked like things were going better for them. They got the promotion that I didn't get. And, and their family looks like it's having a better time than my family. And they've got the new car I can't afford. He says, it looks like they're doing better than me. But here's the thing. Whenever you play the comparison game, when you're looking at someone's life from the outside, you never see the whole deal. So here's what he says. He says, when I saw the prosperity, look at, they have no struggles. I'm here to tell you. I was a youth pastor for a while, been a senior pastor going on 20 years. and 25 years of ministry, every, I've never seen a family that didn't have something. But Asaph's discouraged, and when you're discouraged, you're not thinking straight. And so he says, all these people that don't love God, their life's perfect. They have no struggles. They never get sick. He says their bodies are healthy and strong. Another translation actually says that they, 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 they don't even feel sick when they're about to die. It's just not real. No one's life's like that. They are free from common human burdens. They never get colds. Their spouse never argues with them. Their kids are always perfect. He's got a whole distorted view of reality. When we're discouraged, that's what happens. We're, we're no longer looking at life really as it is. We're looking at it through this lens of discouragement. He's playing this comparison game. He says, these people, they, they don't love God, but their life looks better. He, he says, their pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. So not only is he amping up how perfect their life looks on the outside, now he's amping up just how wicked they are. He says, they're, they, they, there's no limit to how bad these people can be. They're the worst. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouth lay came, claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. He said, they got plenty of food. They got all the water they need. And then they say, how would God know? Now they're, making, they're mocking God. How would God know? Does the most high know anything? No, these people are mocking God. They're violent. They're evil. That is what the wicked are like, always free of care and go on amassing wealth. So here's the thing. He's in this moment of discouragement where he knows God is good in his head. He's, he's sung about it, he's taught about it, but it doesn't feel that way because the people around him that don't love God, it looks like their lives are going better than his. He's playing this comparison game which always leads to discouragement. Theodore Roosevelt said that comparison is the thief of joy. And what he's doing is he's looking at everybody else. Between verses three and verses 12, 15 times, he says they or their or them. He's looking at everybody around. They're doing this and they've got this and, and, and things are going great for them over there. He's looking at everybody else. He's playing the comparison game. And comparison is the thief of joy. It's one of the worst things about social media. It, social media just invites comparison. 
You look and you're like, man, th those people look richer than us. Those people are having better dinner than us. They're eating steak. I see a picture of it. We're having hot dogs. What's wrong with us? They're going on better trips than we are. They're on an Alaskan cruise. Look at them here. We just went camping and we didn't even have a good camp spot. Look at this crap tent trailer we got here. They're having better trips than us. They have pictures with their kids and everyone's smiling and you're like, their family looks happier than us. Here's why. No one ever takes pictures of their kids crying. You're never like, hey, here, here's the five of us. We just had the biggest fight we've had in five years. Hashtag hate my family. No one ever does that. No one ever does that. You don't get the real perspective when you play the comparison game. You see what people want you to see. It's like, you think their family's happier than me? Think they're doing funner stuff than me? I had to get off social media because I was playing the comparison game because I would always come to the conclusion that everyone's dumber than me. <laughs> I am surrounded by dumb people. And, and so had to get off, had to get off the social. Best thing I ever did. But if you want to be discouraged, play the comparison game. Let's keep reading this psalm. Look here. So he, he takes his attention off of others and now places it on himself. In verses 13 through 16, he, he talks about, he says, I or me or my eight times between verses 13 through 16. It starts in verse 13. He says, surely in vain, I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. He, he says, it's all been for nothing that I've always done the right thing. So what he's doing now is he's overestimating his own goodness. He says, oh, I guess it's just been a big waste that I've kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. He's like, man, I've, I've always done the right thing. And I guess it was all just a big, what he's doing is he's exaggerating his own goodness. And he thinks that because he's so good that he deserves better from God. He, he's he, what, you know who he's like? He's like that older brother in the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son comes home and the father throws the big giant party, kills the fatted calf. He's so glad that his son, who he thought was dead, was actually alive. And this older brother who represents mean religious people, he comes and says, Dad, he says, I, I've never disobeyed you. Listen, I got six kids. They've all disobeyed me. Most of them within the last 24 hours. Anyone that looks at their parent or looks at God and says, I've always done the right thing, well, they're just a liar or a narcissist. Need to get some therapy. And so, but they won't do it because they're a narcissist. They think they're awesome. And, and, and so he, he says, I've, it's just been a big waste, I guess, always doing the right thing. See, that, that, that older brother says, I've never disobeyed you and you never even threw me a birthday party. Same thing this guy's doing. He said, I've always done the right thing. Why hadn't God been better to me? See, what this guy did is he believed the TV preacher. He said, if you just love God, then you'll never have any struggles. I'm just here to tell you, it's not the way it goes. So he's exaggerating his own goodness and he thinks he deserves better than God is giving him this, this lie that says, I deserve better than what God's giving me. People have been, been believing this since the garden. In the garden, our first parents, Satan said, he said, God's holding out on you. He knows if you just do this, then you'll be like him and you'll know everything. He's holding out on you. It's this lie. He begins to exaggerate his goodness. He begins to think he deserves better than God is giving me. Here's the third thing. He begins to exaggerate his own challenges. Let me show you this, verse 14. Have you ever been in a moment where life's just bad and you feel discouraged and everything feels terrible? That's the moment he's in. He says, all day long I've been afflicted. 
and every morning brings new punishments. That's just not true. He says, all day long, I've been afflicted. It's just terrible all day. And then each day is worse than the day before. That's just not how life works. You might be having real challenges and you will have some real challenges and maybe things at home aren't great or maybe you've gotten some health news that's not great or your family situation's tough or maybe you've got aging parents that are, are, are getting difficult or you've got teenagers that are being difficult or financially things are difficult, but, but it's never this bad. All day long I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. It's bad all day, every day, and every day is worse than the day before. What he's doing is he's exaggerating his own challenges, which is what we do when we're discouraged. All we can see is what is wrong in the world. And it just seems so bad. And it seems like everything's bad. Something I do that helps me sometimes when I begin to go this place is I'll just make a list. Like, what's really bothering me? What is really, and I'll make a list. And initially I might think that it's 20 things or 10 things, but usually when I list out what's really so bad, usually it's four or five things. And then I go down that list and say, one to 10, how big a deal is this? If you would have asked me before I made the list, I'd have said, hey, there's 10 things and they're all a 10. Reality is usually there's like four or five things and one of them's like an eight and three of them are, are like a six and one of them's like a three. And then I'll go through and say, well, how, long, how many of these are, are temporary things or versus long-term things? And out of that five, four out of the five are usually pretty temporary. And then I'll say, out of this list, how many of these are things that I have the ability to make a difference in? That, that I could make some choices that could bring a change here. It's never as bad as I think it is before I make that list. But our propensity, when we're discouraged, all we can see is all the bad stuff. And it seems worse than it really is. We begin to exaggerate our own challenges. And here's the thing. If discouragement is where you wanna stay, it's your choice. I think some people are happiest when they're miserable. You know anyone like that? Kind of that Eeyore kind of thing? Like, like I'd encourage you, but you don't even want me to. Or you can choose to pursue encouragement. That's what Asaph does here. Let's keep looking. Psalm 73 and verse 15. He says, if I'd spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. Here's what he's saying. He says, if people knew all the terrible stuff I was thinking, they would never let me lead them in another song ever. Have you ever had a thought so dark that you thought, man, if people knew that, I would have no friends. Anyone have a thought like that? Like 12 honest people at Life Church. That's good. <laughs> Rest of you guys are narcissists. All right. And so uh, he says, man, if I'd, have spoke, if I'd have told people that stuff I was thinking, that why has God let me down and why hasn't he been faithful? He says, it, it, would, have, it would have been terrible. He says, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. But now we come to the turning point moment. He says, till I entered the sanctuary of God. See, here's what, is, what happens here. We're gonna see he's a whole different guy the rest of this psalm. Everything changed when Asaph went to church. He says it was all bad all the time, but what we see here is what he does is he refocuses on God. He experiences God. He experiences his presence. He says, man, it was all bad all the time. I could only see the terrible, but then until I entered into the sanctuary of God, I, I, I gathered together with God's people and experienced God's presence and took my eyes off all the people and what they're doing, took my eyes off of myself the good, bad, the ugly, the things the way where I think I'm perfect or all of my problems, I took my eyes off of them and off of me and put them on him and everything changed. 
So when we, when we come together with God's people and, and, and we, we see someone that we know loves us and loves Jesus and they give us a big bear hug, in that moment we're tangibly experiencing the love of God through another believer and then I worship and take my, 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 my eyes attention and my heart's affection and I, and I place it on, onto God and look at his glory and I look at how big God is and suddenly all of my problems begin to feel smaller. And then I, I look at God's word and I experience God's presence. He says, everything changed. It was all bad all the time until I entered into the sanctuary of God, until I experienced God's presence. Let's keep reading. Then I understood their final destiny. So if I, if I wanna choose encouragement, I need to refocus my attention on God and experience his presence. And then I need to take an eternal perspective. He says, once I got around God, then I began to, to look at the long, the, the, the long picture. I understood their final destiny. He says, surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. He says, these people that I think everything's perfect for them, and, and, and they're the one moving up the corporate ladder, and they're the one with the better stuff, and they're the one that looks like life is fun because they're just doing whatever they want to do to bring their own self-pleasure. He says, I realize that that's just how it is for this moment, but long-term, it's going to be different from them. He says, it's, it's just like a dream that right now it's just like a dream that you wake up from and that was just like a little moment. He says this moment of pleasure that they are having living for themselves, mocking God. And he says this, that's just a moment. He says, but when I considered eternity, well, when I understood their final destiny, he says, well, they're like a dream when one awakes, when you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. What he's, what he's saying is he's, he's saying that as, a, as someone that's living their life for God, all of our challenges are simply temporary. And for someone that's living their life rejecting and mocking God, all of their pleasures are simply temporary. See, for, for the believer, this is as close to hell as you'll ever experience. And some moments feel more like hell than others. And for the non-believer, this is as close to heaven as they'll ever experience. And so in those moments when I experience incredible discouragement, I need to take a, a longer perspective on things. There was this eight-year-old kid named Frank, and Frank had been looking forward for weeks for, to go fishing with his dad, but it had been raining day after day after day, and Frank really wanted to go fishing. And then there was this... Uh, they were gonna go this coming Saturday. And his dad said, hey, Frank, as long as the weather's okay, we're gonna go. It looks like it's gonna be better weather on Saturday. And then they woke up Saturday morning and again, there were these thunderstorms and it was raining. And the dad said to Frank, he said, hey, we can't go. The weather's not good enough. And now Frank had had enough. He'd gotten discouraged. So he's grumbling and mumbling all day about how upset he is. He's got a terrible attitude, super upset that he's not been able to go fishing. He just wants to go fishing with his dad. Well, then early afternoon, it cleared up, the sun comes out, and the dad comes to Frank. He says, hey, we've still got time, let's go fishing. And they go out to the pond, and they, and they begin to fish, and whether it was because of the rain or something else, these fish are biting more than they ever had. And they catch fish after fish after fish, and then finally, the dad says, hey, let's go back to the house, let's cook up some of these fish for dinner. They gather around the table for dinner, and the mom says to Frank, she says, Frank, would you bless the food? And here's what Frank said. And as he wrapped up his prayer, he said, and Lord, if I sounded grumpy earlier today, it was because I couldn't see far enough ahead. And I think this happens to us. 
in moments when circumstances aren't great and we begin to get discouraged. What's happening is we're just not seeing far enough ahead. We're just looking at the right right now. We're looking at the temporary. Here's how Apostle Paul talked about it in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, therefore, we don't lose heart. What he's saying is we don't stay discouraged. He says, though outwardly we're wasting away. He says, although maybe physically things aren't good and financially things aren't good, things are challenging circumstance-wise. He says, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Why? For our light and momentary troubles. And just FYI, Paul's troubles were bigger than ours. Most of us. Shipwrecked, beaten for his faith, found himself hungry, naked, Troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Paul says, hey, these challenges we're experiencing, he says, we don't don't stay discouraged with them because we recognize that they're just light and they're temporary and that compared to eternity, compared to the glory that God has in store for those that love him, there's just no comparison. He says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So if I want to choose encouragement, I refocus on God and experience his presence. I I, I take a, a look through the lens of eternity, and here's the last thing I do. I consider God's grace and goodness. Let me show you verse 21. He says, when my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. Here's what happens. He experiences the presence of God. He encounters a holy God and he realizes, this is what always happens when you encounter a holy God. He realized, I'm not so great. See, early on, he's like, man, I'm just innocent. I got a pure heart, always do the right stuff. He's a prideful religious person. But then he encounters the the presence of God and he says, oh, actually, I'm a mess. He says, says, I had a bitter heart. I was brutish, I, I was ignorant, I was like an animal. So he says, I, I'm not so great. It's not that I deserve better. Actually, it's that I deserve far worse. He says, but, but instead, God's gracious and kind. Let's look here, verse 23. Yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. So here's what he's saying. He says, in spite of me not being so great, God is with me and he's, and he's taking care of me. He says, I'm always with you, yet you hold me by your right hand. Aren't you glad that God's holding on to you? Not just counting on you to hold on to him. See, my little three-year-old boy, Michael, we might be going for a walk down the sidewalk and we're on the sidewalk and it's okay if he just wants to hold on to my hand. But once we're crossing the busy street, it's no longer him holding on to my hand. Now I'm holding on to him. And he, he's not going to get, he's not letting loose because I got to keep him safe. And if I got to pick him up to keep him safe, I'm going to. I don't say, hey, Michael, why don't you just hold on to me as we walk across and you hold on and, and hopefully it's all going to, no, I, I'm holding on to him because he's not strong enough to hold on to me. And, and so the Asaph says, he, he says, yet I'm, even though I'm a mess, even though I'm all screwed up and like an animal, he says, I'm always with you, not because I choose to become, but you're holding on to me. He says, you're, you're holding on to me. And then we see here, verse 24, and afterwards you will take me into glory. He says, in spite of me not being so great, I'm gonna be with God forever. These next couple of verses will wrap up or so great. He says, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desired besides you. My flesh and my heart. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, you know what? 
These people that are mocking God, living for themselves. He says, man, they might've got, the, might got the promotion, but I don't care. And they might've got the bigger house, but I don't care. And they might've gone on a better trip this summer with their family, but I don't care. He says, he says that earth has nothing that I desire besides you. He says, he says I, I've got you and that's all that I want and that's all that I need. He says that my flesh and my heart may fail. He says, I might feel sick physically. I might have moments of discouragement in, in, in my mind and in my spirit. He says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. And my portion, that, that, that word portion indicates again, he's saying, God is all I need and he's all that I want. And, and so this idea that if I have God, I have everything I need. He said, God, you're the one I want because you're all than I need. And so when discouragement comes, and it will, and maybe you're in a moment right now where, where, where you've got some meaningful discouragement. It's been a rough year and a half. When I see like news talking about COVID coming back, I just turn off the TV because I just can't wrap my head around it. It's like that discourages me. And, and, and it'd be easy for this to be a, have been a discouraging year, year and a half for you. But so discouragement's gonna come, but we all have a choice. Are we gonna choose to live there, comparing ourselves with everybody, looking at, at, at our own self, or, or are we going to turn our mind's attention and our heart's affection towards God? And are we going to experience his presence? Are we gonna take a, the long view of eternity, recognizing no matter how difficult my life might be in this moment, it's just a blink of an eye, and, and that there's this eternal weight of glory that God has prepared that's beyond anything that anyone could ever describe, and, and then ponder God's goodness and his grace. That in spite of me being, being broken and fallen and sinful, that, that he loves me and that he's with me and that he's holding on to me and that I'm gonna be with him forever and ever and ever and that if I've got him, I've got everything. Let me pray for you. Maybe this season isn't the greatest season of discouragement you've ever had. But if you're honest, you say, you know what? And I've been battling discouragement for days or weeks or months. I know personally people in this room that have gone through the, some of the toughest challenges of their lives in just the last couple of months. And so God, we rejoice that even though we will all have moments of discouragement, that we don't have to stay there and that you're bigger than our discouragement and that you're close to us when we're brokenhearted. So God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. And when, and when those moments come, that your Holy Spirit would remind us just to, to, to look to you, to turn to you, to, to experience your presence where there's fullness of joy. And God, that you'd give us the ability to take the long view, not to focus so much on things that are temporary, that are just right now, Things that, that, that may not matter in a month or a year, may not matter in 20 years, or certainly won't matter in 100 years. God, I, I pray that you'd help us to take the long view, to look at life through the lens of eternity. And God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, just to, to, to meditate on just your kindness, your goodness, and your grace. Manifest in Christ. And that when we were doing the wrong thing, living ourselves, while we were living for ourselves, while we were yet sinners, 
You demonstrated your love for us, your kindness for us, your grace towards us and Christ dying for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Dave, for that word of encouragement. Um, you know, as I was listening to his message and, and reading along, um, I came to the very last words of that chapter, and it says, I will tell of all your deeds. And it just hit me like there are still so many people who need to hear the good news of Christ. And that's our job. That's why we're still here. So maybe you're watching online and there's someone you want to share the link to this sermon with, or you want to invite them to come sit with you next Sunday and watch the service online. Maybe you're here live and God's placing somebody on your heart right now and you know that person needs to know and experience the love of Christ. Invite them to come with you next week. Bring them back. Um, let us love on them as a family. And that's just what we're called to do. So I just want to encourage you guys to do that. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this, and we'll see you soon.